Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, also a keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information regarding all kinds of things related to rejuvenating, positive psychology, my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, wellness in general, and lots of other things that can help you to grow and develop in a positive manner. As listeners to the podcast know that... uh, My goal is to bring you interesting and informative guests who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and have different ways of helping us to become the best versions of ourselves. And today's guest is really no exception to that and perhaps quite unique in the things that he has to offer us. Humble the Poet is a rapper, spoken word artist, poet, obviously, uh, internationally best-selling author, and former elementary school teacher. What began as reciting spoken word poetry in coffee shops to impress girls evolved into a creative adventure that has spanned the last 10 years crossing genres, mediums, uh, and oceans even. His uh, first two books are called Unlearn and Things No One Else Can Teach Us. And they've become international bestsellers. And he just released the third book, which is How to Be Loved. Simple truths for going easier on yourself, embracing imperfection, and loving your way to a better life. Obviously, things that a lot of people need, and there isn't a whole lot of guidance on how to get it. So looking forward to the conversation. Humble the Poet, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Well, uh, I kind of described the multifacets of your life and your history and uh the things that you do. And uh, before we talk much about your books and so on, maybe you can take a few moments and just tell us a little bit about your journey because it's not, doesn't sound like it's the most conventional way of getting from growing up to being a school teacher to doing all these other things. Yes, completely. I grew up, I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. And, um, you know, my parents immigrated there in the 70s from Punjab, which is a northern part of India. And um, I, I I grew up a, with, you know, pretty conventional life. And uh, I became an elementary school teacher after university, having a lot of uh, experience working with the youth um, in different types of camps and, 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 you know, summer camps and what have you. And as an educator, you know, it was my first foray into adult life. It was the first time that, you know, once work is done, work is done. What do you do with your life? And it gave me an opportunity to kind of explore my, my creative side. I was always writing ever since I was a child, writing stories. And, and that was becoming a part of 
my work as an elementary school teacher, spending a lot of time reading to the kids, um, using different inflections in my voice. But also, I think the big lesson I took from that was how to package information. You know, when you teach the youth, you're taking complex information and just packaging it in a way that they get. Um, whether you're teaching them long division, whether you're teaching them how to write and understand different literary devices, you're just taking ideas. And the magic is in how you put it together and how you kind of put it into pieces that they're going to get and they can digest. And then that got me into spoken word poetry. And I was pursuing poetry for fun. You know, as you said in the bio, just a fun way to be social, meet meet women, do stuff like this as a young guy uh, out, out and about in the town. And I started to realize the impact um, that I had being able to put words together, um, being a big fan of hip hop, which is, you know, a very strong literary art. And um, I started, you know, using my skills in poetry and putting words together to talk about issues that I thought were important, both local and international. Um, anything I learned about myself, I was a big fan of geopolitics. Whenever I learned something really interesting, I'd write a poem or write a song about it. Um, and then that, you know, as I started sharing that stuff online, I, I built a community and uh, the community grew until I thought I had enough, you know, opportunities to leave my job as a teacher. So I quit my job thinking I had some really good opportunities in music. And uh, that's when all the fun began, because uh, those opportunities didn't come through. Uh, I got my first lesson in the entertainment industry, which is trust no one. And um I, you know, I had to go the other way. I was in a gang of debt. I was in about $80,000 of debt, living off of credit cards, having no income, not knowing how any creatives made any money. And slowly over the next, you know, a couple of weeks after kind of isolating myself, I realized that I had to really figure this out. And I began selling everything I owned, moving back in with my family and kind of rebuilding from the ground up. And part of that rebuild was writing to myself. I would write to myself every single day, share the lessons. And the big I, the big thing that I realized was I was living very idealistically. I was kind of living through this, this romance of what life was supposed to be. And um, I was taken advantage of because of that. And it was nobody else's fault but my own if I wanted to have any power to make things better. And um, I would write to myself every day and I began sharing that online with my community. And they really resonated with that. And they told me I should write a book. I collected my writings and that became my first book on Learn, which I independently published. I self-published it myself um, with 300 people uh, contributing. I raised about $26,000 to publish the book and um, I sold it independently for years. I sold, I started three books a month and then three books a week, then three books a day. Then the biggest bookstore in Canada uh, that goes by the name of Indigo reached out and asked me, uh, if they could publish it, they could republish it. And I gave them permission and it became a bestseller instantly. And then I kind of started this whole journey as a, as a, as an author. And, um, I've been writing books ever since and really framing myself as the kid at the front of the class. I'm just trying to learn like everybody else. I'm just a kid at the front of the class who takes really good notes and likes sharing his notes with everybody else. God, that's really fascinating. And, uh, and encouraging, uh, you know, the fact that hard work does sometimes pay off. So if I understand correctly, you didn't have any formal training as either a poet or a writer, or, or was it something that, that you then took some coursework in, or was it just, you know, your talent? 
No, I, you know what? I think I spent my 10,000 hours doing it just through sheer love and enjoyment. And, you know, spoken word poetry uh, is a very specific form of poetry, which is kind of uh, a reaction to people who don't feel the energy when they read a poem. So spoken word poetry is the poet performing their poem with a lot of inflection, a lot of energy, you know, very similar to rap and hip hop. You know, it's a it's you're performing your own poems hmm. and, and predictable rhythms and, and storytelling. And I grew up on hip hop. And, you know, to me, the art of rap is one of the most evolved forms of literary art. You know, they're they're writing endless, endless paragraphs and they memorize it all and they and they put it on a beat. And you can talk about anything. And, you know, it, and it came from some people that live in the most challenging neighborhoods in, in, in the world telling their story for the first time um, with little or no access to equipment or education. So for me and growing up on that, you know, it was something that I always found super interesting. So, you know, in terms of formal training, up until the first book, I was I was doing it all by myself, having friends proofread. And even I didn't even know what proofreading meant back then. I just thought it meant check the spelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't until I finally signed with a major publisher that I sat down with an editor and she started to kind of really change me from raw talent to to very uh, intentional and specific. She kind of she really turned me into an effective an effective talent, not just raw and um, helped me realize that this was going to be a product of practice, uh, self-reflection, and a lot of work. And and I've been doing that ever since. But again, I don't think you require any type of, I'm, I'm, again, you're, you're in the medical field, you require many more qualifications to do the work you do as, as the stakes are much higher. But as a writer, you just need to practice. You really just need to practice. And and the more unique you, you, can, you can approach it, the better. You know, the world needs more and more ways to absorb art. Well, it's really an inspiring lesson and should let people know while there's there's no magic way of accomplishing it. The fact is that if you do work hard, there there are chances of being successful. And you're you're telling the story. So nowadays, how do you spend your days? Are you primarily a writer? Do you still do rap? Do you appear uh, places? What I, I still make music every day. I'm not very interested in the in the commercial side of music. I don't want to spend my days promoting music, and it's it's a different it's a different audience that consumes music regularly versus an audience that read reads books. And I think I connect much more with an audience that reads books. You know, there's a there's a level of patience, there's a level of uh, thoughtfulness that comes from that. Where music is a little bit more immediately gratifying. So, and you don't build as much of a deep connection with your audience depending on the type of music you make. Um, so I spend most of my time writing. I do write music every day, but I also, you know, I pick a topic that I care about that I don't understand. Uh, and I go deep. I go very deep. This new book is about love. I, I felt like I didn't understand anything about love. So I went as deep as possible reading as much literature as I could. And everything from I'm reading literature from poets. I'm reading from dating coaches. I'm reading from clinical psychologists. I'm reading from religious texts. I'm, re- I'm reading from philosophers. I'm just trying to read as much as I can on the subject and, and treating it the same way I did as a teacher, taking all these ideas and asking myself, how can I package this for somebody, you know, who was eight years old? And, you know, you realize that even though people who are reading my books aren't eight years old, I'm still speaking to their inner child, you know, and that, that's not just a matter of not using large vocabulary. It's also a matter of speaking with empathy, 
you know, including a lot of comedy and making heavy, heavy ideas feel light. And, you know, I have a lot of practice doing that, a lot of training doing that. And I'm trying to add that value to service other people to help them feel a little bit lighter about life. Well, what uh, I'd like to do is spend a little bit of time on your books. Uh, I have to admit, I uh, your, your most recent one came out so recently that I haven't read that, but I've read the other two. And uh, they're, number one, they're, they're very readable very practical, uh, but they differ from one another. So, and I understand that your newer one differs from them. So mm-hmm. just take a couple of minutes and run through each of the, the first two. I think, was it um, uh, Unlearn? Was that the first one? Yes, the first book is Unlearn, and the second book is Things No One Else Can Teach Us. Okay, so what what... Just so I'm not misrepresenting you, what is Unlearn? Guys? Yeah. So Un- Unlearn was my first book, and it really was the idea that we have to let go to gain more. We have to let go of old ideas, old beliefs, old values, if we want to continue growing and understand that a lot of the things that we hold dear to ourselves and identify with, you know, came to us in childhood, were influenced by media, were influenced by culture, traditions. Um, many of which may not be as relevant as they should be anymore. And sometimes these are limiting beliefs. So unlearn is this idea that we have to unlearn more to gain more. So it's really encouraging people to to shed and let go of things. And, you know, the, the way the book is set up, it's 101 chapters. And every chapter is only two pages. And I tried to make it very simple, very digestible. And we're just taking different ideas and having people explore them. And the thing is, the reason the book became so successful is because it resonates with what people already believe and feel and think. I'm not here to 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 come from a different angle. I'm here to help people put their their existing emotions and feelings into words because so often when things are kind of unprocessed in our minds that creates a lot of anxiety and tension and getting it out so i'm helping you know my as i said being a, working with children for a long time helped me learn how to articulate um and help others communicate if they weren't in a position to communicate their thoughts and feelings so unlearn is really exploring this idea of you know what are some you know pretty much expired beliefs that we have about how the world works, our definitions of happiness, our definitions of success, the importance of uh, of the different events in our lives. So I have a chapter in there called Heartbreaks Are Essential, you know, actually, you know, trying to really flip the script and, and have people understand that these are actually important things. We, we only learn through our suffering. We don't learn when we're happy. And, you know, challenging conventional wisdom where conventional wisdom really is a product of media, entertainment, culture, religion, traditions. And oftentimes they don't update with the updated world that we live in. So that's unlearn. And, and that was, those are lessons I had to learn as I kind of went in with my blinders on and, and life kicked me in the butt. And I mean, one of the great things about it is, again, the, the chapters are short. So if if somebody isn't big on reading, it's it's one you can read easily you don't, you know, if you've got a few minutes, you can get one or two chapters out of the way. But the other thing that I think is great, and this probably relates to your elementary school teaching background, uh, you don't complicate things. Mm-hmm. You, know, it's, you can really you can really follow it. You can get the point. 
I don't want you to spend too much time on this book. I know we're ready to move on, but can you just tell one or two other chapters just uh, because it's just so loaded with stuff. Yeah, completely. The other thing that I want to also mention is, you know, the chapters are short, but also you don't have to read the book in order. You can literally open the book to any page you want. And I think that that's a really important one. Um, another idea that I have in there is love is a gift, not a loan. You know, really challenging this idea of transactional relationships that we have, that we treat people kindly and hope for reciprocity. When the truth is, everybody's on their own journey and we should be giving for the sake of giving and, and not simply for serving. Also, understanding the nature of things. You know, I have a chapter in the book called Hokum, which in, in, in Punjabi language means the nature of things, understanding the will of things. And that's everything from encouraging people to be more curious and, uh, and, uh, and observing than judgmental and trying to pay attention to the nature of what life is. And that's everything from gravity to human nature to patterns and people we interact with. When we reserve judgment, we we can learn so much more and make way better decisions, much more informed decisions. Um, and so really encouraging people to be mindful, present, and pay attention to what's happening instead of simply judging it. Don't simply say, this situation is good, this situation is bad. Really pay attention to the nuances of it. And when we can do that, uh, there's more opportunities to build and find value from those situations. Great. Yeah. And terrific philosophy of life lessons in there. So tell us a little bit about things no one else can teach us. Yes, things no one else can teach us is, is just as you, as the title says. There are certain things in life that nobody else can teach us. And these are lessons that are going to come from the experiences we have in our lives. And most often they're going to be from the unpleasant experiences. Our unpleasant experiences are our best teachers. And it's interesting because we spend our whole lives trying to avoid discomfort, unfamiliar situations, new situations, uh, new ideas. But the truth is these are our best teachers. So the way the book is formatted is I share some of my most unpleasant stories and the lessons I've learned from them. And it's really about reframing our unpleasant stories to see the beauty and the gift that comes from them. And and the book is not only just sharing stories, but it's sharing tools to to extract the wisdom from the stories. I'm, I'm teaching people how to be treasure hunters. And instead of simply judging a situation that they're going through as good news or bad news, to be like, well, where's the lesson in this? Where's the opportunity in this? Where's the learning in this? Where's the growth? And, and the book is broken up into a couple of sections with different strategies to do that. Sometimes the strategy is zoom in, look look even deeper at what's happening, and you'll find the lesson. Sometimes it's zoom out, take a step back from the situation. You know, sometimes it's really focusing on if I were curious about this, what would be interesting about it? Um, where is my power? Where is my responsibility and power in the situation? So really giving people tools to really make the most of every situation because Life is going to be full of challenging situations, but the suffering that comes from that sometimes does not have to be the case. And I think, you know, the great thing about this, I mean, for many people, the notion of kind of a philosophy course or a philosophy book is kind of overwhelming or seems Mm -hmm. dry or stuff like that. And again, I just think, again, whether it's 
you just generally or the elementary school teaching background i mean you make you take some complicated ideas and make them simple and that's that's great so uh as i said i i kind of knew some of the answers to the first two books because i read them but this last one just came out and mm -hmm. uh tell us a little bit about it because it sounds from the title like it might be a little different yeah so the new book is called how to be loved um, you know, with the subtitle being Simple Truths for Going Easier on Yourself, Embracing Imperfection, and Loving Your Way to a Better Life. Um, I realized, especially over the pandemic and, and some of my struggling relationships, that I, you know, I didn't have a, a proper understanding of love. I wasn't able to serve people I loved. I wasn't able to receive love while realizing that love is the thing we all thirst for the most. We all chase love, almost all of our motivations for everything we do can get rooted back to the, the desire for love and hearing, you know, and including my own thoughts and other people's thoughts that love is this complicated idea. Love is so complicated. And it was something that I decided, you know what, I, you know, I'm going to devote the next couple of years to researching love and, and package it in a way that makes, makes it simple to understand. And, and, and I do want to preface this by saying, listen, there's a difference between simple and easy. Everything that I talk about, I'm simplifying ideas. That doesn't mean they're easy to execute. Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's the important thing to understand. But I wrote the simplest book about love. You know, I took the complicated sides out of it. And one of the big ideas from it is we are so thirsty for love that we start chasing love in all the wrong directions and chasing things that feel like love, but they're not love. Attention, power, control, success, fame, admiration, all of these status, all of these things feel like love temporarily, but they're not. And generally, a lot of our heartache around love comes because we're chasing these facsimiles or these bootleg versions. You know, it's like going downtown and buying the fake designer watch or the fake designer belt. That's what we spend so much time doing with love. Because authentic love doesn't require anything. We believe that we have to be someone to earn love. Love isn't a prize. You know, love is something that flows and it's always there. And all we have to do is shed some of our insecurities, shed some of our biases, and it'll be underneath all of that surface. And I like using the analogy that love is like a breeze. And our job is to open our sails. We don't have to find the breeze. We just have to open our sails. So love isn't, you don't attain love. You don't win love. You don't earn love. You're not worthy of love. You don't qualify for love. You realize love. It's there. You realize love. Great. Can't wait to read it. Uh, I'm sure a number of the listeners are feeling the same way. Uh, before we find out where you can get it, though, I just want to ask, are you aiming at a particular age group? Uh, we have... You know, we have people in their second half century of life listening in. We've got parents of young kids or uh, growing kids. Uh, is is there any audience you're particularly aiming at, or is it designed for you know to to go across the age span? The, the book is designed to go across the age span because, regardless of our age, you know, we all have we all still have the same needs. We all still need the same things. Um, and spending more time on this earth just gives us more, more, 
quality experiences to kind of go off of. And what I've done in this book is, again, I'm not here to tell you anything about love. I'm, I'm here to remind you of what you already know about love. And, you know, a good example of this is, you know, there is an idea that people think they have to be perfect to, to earn love. And just to remind people that everybody you love is imperfect. And you could probably list out their imperfections. And none of those imperfections disqualify them from the love that you give them and the love that you serve them. So the book is broken up into three parts. The first part is what is love? And we just define love and understand where love exists and how we create pathways to it. The second section is love for self, which at any age, we can all strengthen our relationship with ourselves. And the final section is love for others. And uh, I was very intentional not to make it specifically about romantic relationships because our love for others, our relationships with others are all important. And the tools to have a good relationship with yourself are the same tools to have a good relationship with others. So that includes if you're a parent, uh, a great tip that we have for parents, for example, is when you love somebody and you have this urge to share your world with them, we have this urge to share our favorite music with our kids, make them watch our favorite films, make them play our favorite sports. But instead, love should be service. We should be diving into their favorite films, their favorite movies, their favorite music their favorite activities. And we should be a part of that. And that could be for parents. That could be for grandparents. And it's really about building a stronger pathway of love between us and those that we care about the most. And that can also apply to your spouse, your romantic partner. That can also apply to the people you work with. That could also apply to your neighbors. So for me, it's really about creating as many opportunities to realize love within ourselves and between other people. It's a wonderful concept that, uh, I think people can probably relate to the concept without totally understanding it. So I think it's really important to get the book and gain some understanding as well as some tools, it sounds like, in terms of, you know, how to how to approach love and how to share love and how to uh, the, the important thing uh, and important thing you mentioned to love yourself, because I think that that's certainly uh strengthens your ability to love others as well as experience life more fully. So are you working on a fourth book yet? I, I am exploring the world of uh, anxiety and mental health with, with the big idea that, you know, anxiety isn't the enemy. Anxiety is the message. And, uh, you know, we, we struggle when we try to suppress that anxiety instead of listening to it. And, and I'm considering this as I'm planning a, a move from Los Angeles to New York. So I'm like only fitting that, you know, if I move to one of the busiest cities on the planet that I, that I explore this world of anxiety. Great. Well, you know, from my background that uh, I, I will be one of your uh, first customers when that gets published. Well, and you, you will also be on my research list when I begin the process of, re of researching it. So um, I'll be, I'll be sure to, you know, throw in, throw in one of your quotes in the book for sure. I will be honored. In the meantime, let's see about, uh, where people can get your books and, uh, how they go about it. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have that stuff in the show notes. I do want to point out. So if you're driving and listening to this, you know, you'll, you'll be able to get it in the show notes. Don't, don't, don't have an accident because this is important stuff to be able to, to read. Yes. Um, so the book is called How to Be Loved. My my author name is Humble the Poet. And 
You know, for those who like buying stuff online, it's available at Amazon all over the world. Um, and if you love going to the bookstores, it will be at Barnes and Noble. Um, it will be at your independent bookshops. Uh, and this is my third major book, and I've had a great relationship with all the little bookshops around the, the country. Um, if you're in Canada, it will be at Indigo. If you're in the UK, it will be at Waterstones. And we do have uh, major bookstores as well in Australia and New Zealand. So you know, so all the if you if you love going to the bookstore and perusing, and you want to hold it in your hand, it'll be at all the major bookstores. Uh, and if you want them to deliver it to you the next day, you can definitely go on Amazon and it'll be available. Just search up Humble the Poet, How to Be Loved, and it'll be there. And I'm also, I recorded the audio version of the book, which is very special as, you know, I do tell a lot of personal stories in here and, and I do get emotional. And we decided to keep the emotion in the book. We decided to keep that, um, making it that. And, you know, I have a lot of experience in front of a microphone with with my work in music and poetry. So it came out really special, and I'm really excited for people to hear that as well. Great, great. Is there an ebook version too? There will also be a Kindle version of the book. Uh, my favorite part about that is how you can just instantly add highlights uh, to all of that. You can highlight your favorite quotes, and uh, uh, so there will be a Kindle ebook, uh, e-reader, Apple e-reader, all of that. Um, the book is available everywhere. And if you're not sure how to find the book the way you want to, you can just go to humblethepoet.com/love. Again, it's humblethepoet.com slash love, and it will show you every single option to get the book in every single format available. And uh, aside from your books, uh, are you uh, on social media or do you have a website? Are there there things that we can learn about you as you uh, go through with, with all the things that you're doing? Yes. Um, now is a great time to follow me on social media because I am begrudgingly doing all the fun social media challenges uh, just to get the word out for the book, which I don't normally do. Normally, my social media is uh, is, is clips of my interviews and quotes from the book. But uh, recently, just to, just to get the word out and have some fun, I've been on social media doing all the fun, silly, silly things in addition to promoting the book. So you can find me at Instagram at Humble the Poet. Twitter at Humble the Poet, uh, Facebook at Humble the Poet. I'm, I'm on all the major ones. And for those that, you know, have have signed up for TikTok, I'm on there as well. Books by Humble. Um, and my website's just HumbleThePoet.com. So it's not hard to find me. Um, it's not hard to find the book. And I look forward to connecting with you guys. Great. Well, you make it easy to find you. I can vouch for the fact that you make it easy to read the book and acquire some really helpful concepts. I'm sure that uh, my listeners have gained a whole lot from this interview. They can gain a whole lot more, though, if they get in depth with your book. So I strongly encourage all three of them, if you go on your website or Amazon or and just humble the poet, I know you can that you can find all of the books and, and the various versions and kind of really looking forward to the uh the audio book of this most recent one because it sounds like uh like it'll be an emotional experience as well as as an intellectual one it, it definitely will I, I read all the intellectual stuff first <laughs> i waited and then we, we 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 finished the last day we did the emotional stuff and there wasn't a dry eye in the room you know this this book was motivated through a heartbreak great. and you know and i had to share that great so is there anything I forgot to ask you that we really should know about you? No, I, I want to take this opportunity to thank you, you know, for, for the important work that you're doing, 
helping people in- increase the quality of their life the longer they're here on earth. And I think that's really important. There's some, you know, every lap around the sun is a gift. And, you know, I love, you know, your, the, the goal-based approach and, and doing it with a level of enthusiasm, you know, and I think even I have to remind myself all the time that more important than being happy and successful is having fun and being hopeful, having something to look forward to and having fun on this journey. And I have a little puppy and I'm sure in the audio you heard her cry a little bit. And, you know, she's pretty much saying to me, like, it's time to play with the ball. I don't know why you're sitting in front of this computer. Let's play. And when I explained that to someone else recently, they're like, oh, so your puppy gets it. You don't get it, but she gets it. <laughs> Life is about waking up, stretching, eating, and playing. And uh, so I have a lot to learn from her. And I'm going to do that right after we get off this uh, podcast. Great. Well, uh, I guess the timing was right then. But I uh, don't know if if you know, I developed a type P personality with seven different P's. And the one of the seven is playful, a lot mm, of things like proactive, amazing. positive, persistent, and so on. So your puppy knows it. I don't probably has a type P personality. So go reward it. Trim yes. her. Yeah, it's a her. She most she most definitely does. And as I said, she she knows when I'm in front of the computer, I'm doing something. But she's like, you only get an hour, <laughs> and it's time for us to play. So you know, rigid so schedule. <laughs> So it's been a real honor to be able to speak with you and present your ideas to my audience. I uh, wish you the best of success, and uh, I'm not promising that I'm not going to call you again uh, because it's been so much fun talking with you, and you've got so much to share. And looking forward to uh, this this newest book. And- I, I, I appreciate it, and again, thank you so much for for, for sharing this conversation with your audience and, um, you know, just having a conversation with you. I know they're, 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 they're a fun bunch. Okay. And, uh, I think your, your puppy has been patient long enough. Mm -hmm. Let you go. Thanks again. So this brings to a close another episode of the rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser podcast, special, especially great session with humble, the poet and, Hope that you will tell your friends about it, as well as downloading it, rating and reviewing it, wherever your favorite podcast listening platform is. And don't forget to be back here next week for another really, really interesting guest. And in the meantime, everybody remember, stay positive, stay safe, and we'll see you next time.